It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> Okay, hello again, everybody, and welcome in. It is awesome to have you with us here on a Get You to the Weekend edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, We have uh, quite a day today for you here as we have uh, the offensive coordinator for the Pirates, newly named John David Baker, will be uh, with uh, myself and Stephen Igo. So Igo will join us a little bit later on uh, for that as well. We'll also have Joey Football on for some reaction, Joe Sampson, and a little Hold My Beer with uh, Pilk and uh, Joey Football. So looking forward uh, to that. Uh, It's great to have you along with us. It is state championship weekend in the state of North Carolina, and uh, the 3A state championship will be contested tonight. Uh, That'll be going down at uh, Chapel Hill, and then uh, you'll have uh, one other game tomorrow at noon in uh, Keenan Stadium, and then the uh, 3 and 7 o'clock games will be played at Raleigh's uh, Carter-Finley Stadium, and uh, our Colleague Jay Sonhalder will be uh, on the uh, call of those games in Raleigh. So great for Sonny uh, and uh, another big opportunity for him to be involved now uh, for more than a decade in calling the uh, state championship uh, games on uh, statewide television at the end of the year. All right, a couple of notes before we get to our uh, pirate report. Uh, Duke is named uh, Penn State defensive coordinator, former Miami Hurricanes coach Manny Diaz to fill its head coaching vacancy. So a deal between both sides was finalized Thursday, and an introductory press conference will be uh, taking place tomorrow. Penn State had the number one defense, holding their opponents to over 223 yards per game this past season with Diaz as the D.C., and uh, he coached Miami from 19 to 21. When he took over the Hurricanes program, it was in shambles, and he just didn't win enough for the people in Miami. He averaged seven and five over his three years, and I think people at Duke would be pretty happy with that on the whole. Uh, Another interesting development from uh, Thursday is uh, the state attorney general, Josh Stein, filed a federal lawsuit against the NCAA. He was one of many attorneys general to be on that suit. It challenges the NCAA's transfer eligibility rule. Uh, You might remember that the NCAA ruled uh, in September that Tez Walker could not play for the uh, Tar Heels, but that decision was reversed in October. And this week, uh, the NCAA reversed itself again to allow Efton Reed to play basketball for Wake Forest. So Stein says uh, they have asked the courts to put a temporary restraining order on the preliminary injunction to prevent the NCAA from enforcing the transfer rule while the case makes its way through the court. So this could be interesting in the Cam Hayes situation for East Carolina. More companies are applying to be among the first in the state to invest in sports betting. The State Lottery Commission says more than 40 applications have been submitted for companies who want to be part of sports betting operations. The deadline to uh, launch sports betting in the state is June 15th. Those are uh, some of the things that are going on uh, as far as uh, her headlines germane to uh, the state of North Carolina in sports. Again, uh, coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to have uh, John David Baker with us on the program. Stephen Igo will be on that as well. But right now we start things with a preview of tomorrow's ECU versus uh, South Carolina basketball game, which is set to tip at noon from Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum in our Pirate Report. 
And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, we're here for Coach Swartz talking about South Carolina and how good offensively they are. They're an elite offensive team. Uh, two things, they really take care of the basketball. They have versatile players, one through five, that could shoot. They have a point guard that's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and they have B.J. Mack at the center spot that can really play the four or the five. They can play down low. He can drive the basketball, take advantage of mismatches, and he shoots the ball as well as anyone on the team. So uh, very, very talented, versatile offensive team that poses a lot of challenges for us. All right, uh, more on uh, this from uh, our Pirate Report today, and he talks about uh, slowing down uh, the player for the game, Cox Cooper. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, like, you look at the Maryland Eastern Shore game, and our best offense was scoring off our defense, turnovers, and then also we were able to throw the ball in the post. We cannot rely on thinking that our defense is going to create as much offense this game because of how well he takes care of the ball, their pace of play, their ability to play five out. They got five guys that can handle the ball a lot of the time on the court and shoot the ball. Where, so we're just going to have to be really solid on defense, take advantage. You can't gamble versus them. You can't get caught up in trying to take the ball from them because, like you said, he's nearly at a 61 turnover ratio and the ball's in his hands and he'll take you down on the post. He runs their offense. And so, yeah, that's going to be a real, uh, you know, a key for us tomorrow. And he's uh, talking about Talon Cooper there, the uh, graduate student for the uh, Gamecocks uh, that uh, is a really uh, fabulous uh, player and has been a calming influence uh, for them this uh, season. Uh, All right. uh, This is a deep South Carolina team. Mike, Swartz on that. We know that that's an area that we have not been as strong as we want to be with our bench, but it's coming every game. And again, we talk about early in the year, sometimes the bench gets experience because they have to play. And early in the year with injuries and whatnot, we've had younger guys play, guys step in that maybe weren't ready at the moment. And at some point, and you hope it's tomorrow, that it goes to the next step. But our bench is young. But they're getting the minutes slowly but surely, and at some point they got to come along, and they will, and they're doing it every day in practice. And you never know what the game is going to be when a player gets his opportunity and it's his game. And uh, Coach Swartz asked if uh, he thinks the team has been able to recover some this week from some of the uh, scrapes and bruises, uh, nicks and knacks that they had. Yeah, you want to think, you want to hope so, but... Again, man, we're not going to take any time off for practice uh, for that. You know, if a guy's sick, then it's the next guy up in practice. If a guy's banged up, then he can't practice, then he can't practice, and it's the next guy up. I mean, you know, we, we, I, you ask Coach Paris, same thing. We all wish we had 25 players. We all wish you had multiple, three, four guys at each position. But it's not the case. There's one or two guys that play the position. So if one guy's out, the next guy goes. But we need competitive practices, and that's – Honestly, what has helped us get our defense on track the last 10 days is because the practices have been very intense, including on game day. And so uh, we're just going to keep rolling with it, and the guys will get healthy. All right, Coach, uh, asking for students tomorrow. I know they're hoping for a healthy walk-up to push this thing uh, well north of uh, 6,000, but a good amount of tickets have been distributed so far. Uh, But uh, this is uh, Coach Swartz talking about how the students who are in the middle of finals need to be on hand and invested for the noon tip tomorrow against South Carolina. Well, I know two things. One thing, I know South Carolina's an experienced ball club that's played in hostile environments, including at Little John Coliseum at Clemson the other night. So they they know what it is to be in in high-level environments. But we have a chance to have a high-level environment in here. And as we talked about in that Wilmington game, 
our guys fed off the energy of the crowd, and I thought the crowd fed off the energy of our guys. So it's a great chemistry, and we talked about it. I mean, yeah, we want this place to be electric tomorrow. It would be great to have a sold-out place. It would be great to have the rally towels going right from the tip. It would be great to have the students jumping all the time. You watch all these games across the country and the student section, and that's what it's about. The student section gets the whole building going. And I think we're going to have a great crowd here, but our students need to be as loud and rowdy and as electric as they have been. All right, uh, and uh, what uh, Callum Richard has done good and what he's done uh, maybe in some areas where he needs some improvement so far. Coach Swartz. I think uh, the physicalness, great. It's a huge piece for us. We need him to be physical. That's what he brings to this team. Uh, the speed is, the, is probably that part, like you said. That's where experience part young guy freshman growing 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 but every game every practice he's getting better and he'll have to do the same thing tomorrow but physicality is what Callum Richard brings to this team all right and uh last one here for coach Swartz asked by uh, our own Stephen Igo from hoist the colors and that is uh that they have played Bobby Pettiford Jr. and Caleb LeCount together double points uh and uh it was asked of Coach Swartz specifically by Stephen uh, about the rebounding uh, when those two guards are on the floor. We feel really comfortable playing those two guys together. Anytime you can have two point guards together, uh, you know, I've been a part of teams that have had that, and even two, you know, smaller guards. And you know, Bobby's a, Bobby's got good size. Obviously, Caleb's a smaller guard, but guards have to rebound. You know, on, on offense, you know, you have an offensive scheme, offensive rebounding. On defense, it's five guys rebounding. It doesn't matter if you're a guard or you're the forward or the center. It doesn't make a difference. So Caleb and Bobby have to get in that fight down there. It can't just be our three, fours, and fives rebounding. So if Caleb gets down there and does it, he can rebound as good as any other player. you got to block out. you got to go fight the ball. you got to go find the ball. So we like it because when you have two guys that can play off ball screens, two guys that can bring the ball to the floor, two guys that are pretty good passers, both of them have a strong assist-to-turnover ratio, and not like Cooper. I mean, Cooper's as good as there is in the country, but Bobby's basically three to one, Caleb's two to one. I think that helps your offense. Yeah, absolutely it does. Noon tip tomorrow, airtime on 94.3 The Game and 107.9 WNCT at 11.30 tomorrow. All right, uh, Stephen Igo is going to link up with us from Hoist the Colors, 247 Sports and the Stephen Igo Show. And uh, when we return, we're going to be speaking to ECU Offensive Coordinator, John David Baker, his first interview in the uh, market on uh, radio, and you'll uh, have it right here on the Patrick Johnson Show when we come back. Have you noticed he's in his own little happy hour? We're back to the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the happy hour program. Here's the P-Man. Coach John David Baker joins Stephen Igo and myself as we welcome him in. Uh, Coach, how are you? I uh, I'm good. I uh, hit the ground running and, and haven't stopped since uh, since I saw you guys on Monday. But it uh, it's been good. How's the recruiting going? It's good. It's uh, you know the great thing about uh, you know getting on the road and getting in front of guys, getting in front of some of our commits. I think they're excited just. Um, you know, obviously what we've done at, uh, at my previous place, um, having a ton of success there and, and been kind of in the national spotlight. I think guys have seen it on TV and watched it a bunch and, and are excited of, you know, kind of what it will look like for us here in the fall. 
Coach, how much have you delved into the uh, portal side of things uh, in this recruiting that you've been doing here in the last several days? You know, it's it's a fine balance of, of trying to, you know, kind of go back and forth, making sure we're doing a great job with our high school kids because um, we've got – we really do have a great class committed of guys that we're really excited about that we think, uh, you know, have a chance to, to help us uh, in the near future, uh, but also understanding that, you know, we've got some we've got some depth issues and, and depth needs that we need to go address right now. And so through, uh, through the portal side of things as fast as possible, um, making sure we're getting the right guys and, and not so – not just talent-wise, but making sure we're getting the right type of kid, the type type of kid that we want, uh, one that one that loves ball and is going to compete, um, in you know, in everything that he does. Because you know, if you don't love ball, then this ain't the place for you. John David, you're also trying to put together some offensive staff pieces as well. It was finalized on Friday that Matt Maddox will be the offensive line coach. At East Carolina, I know you've got kind of a history with him, along with some some mutual uh, friends as well. Just kind of take us through bringing him on board and what he brings to the table for your offensive front. Man, I I, I feel like we uh, I feel like we honestly just robbed the bank and got away with it. Um, Matt Matt's one of the he's probably a top 10, 15 offensive line coach in the country. Um, he's done it at, at every level. He's an elite. Um, recruiter he's an elite evaluator of talent um an elite developer um he is he's done it and everywhere he's been they've been ultra successful obviously you know spent a lot of time at utsa he was in the conference and um you know had one of the top offenses there and then you know kind of went on a run there with with coach gilbert which is kind of our how we know each other um you know every one of their stops whether it was at south florida winning 10 games down there their first year or at the University of Texas, um, you know, Tulsa, Bowling Green, you go down the line, Eastern Illinois, where they had Jimmy Garoppolo and them. Like, they've they've had a ton of success everywhere they've been, and, and Matt has been a huge piece of it uh, with those guys up front. So, I mean, I like I said, I we got away with one, and uh, I couldn't be more excited that Matt's coming on with us. And there's a known opening at running backs coach as well for you, uh, John David. As you and Coach Houston try to work through that process and recruit and be on the road, I mean, what is that balance like right now? It's trying to handle all that, and how do you find enough time to manage it? You know, it's uh, it's a lot of phone calls. I I've been on I've been on my phone more than I like, um, but just just an open line of communication and, and Coach Houston. He's been awesome during the whole process of just making sure, kind of, kind of the same way with like these kids, um, making sure not only are we getting a great coach, uh, but we're getting a great person that's going to fit in uh, with the staff that's in place already, uh, with the kids that are in that room, and making sure we get the right guy that uh, is going to, you know, bring value, not just a, a guy that's going to come in and do his job, but somebody that's going to bring value and be be able to bring something to the table for us. We're talking with ECU offensive coordinator John David Baker. He joined Stephen Igo and myself. Uh, Coach, as far as the attraction to the job, obviously being able to go somewhere and, and be the man calling the plays, but what about East Carolina and the program specifically uh, beyond the play calling opportunity attracted you to the position? Um, you know, 
it's like I, I said the other day, like when you look at this place and you, you come see it for yourself and you're around it, you look at like the game day atmosphere, this is this is an SEC town that just happens to play in the in the American conference and which I said it is. It's a great conference and to have the ability to come play in, in this conference and coach in this conference, um, at this place where they take football very seriously. Um that was the thing that attracted to me the most was just the ability to go do exactly what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it in a place like this in a town like Greenville. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a small town in Texas. Um, and so having the ability to be in a place that was a true college town, um, and it, it, like I said, it just checked every box for me. Let me ask you about uh, Mike Houston. Obviously, you all have uh, gotten to know each other uh, better over the last couple of uh, weeks, but there was no prior uh, relationship there. I know you did some uh, investigation into Coach, and and obviously he did his uh, homework on uh, you, but uh, how did you feel? I mean, where did it click for you as far as you and and Mike Houston being on the uh, same page? The the thing that when I was going through it with and this was talking through just other people, you know, there's kind of a reoccurring theme when I, when I would ask, you know, what's, what's coach like, you know, what's he like around the office? What's he like around his staff? And the thing that people kept bringing up, he's like, man, he's a great person who takes care and cares about his people. And, you know, as a, and as an assistant coach and, and a coordinator that, you know, has a family and, and wants to, you know, be able to, have a, a good work-life balance uh, that that piece was important to me and and for for the amount of people that I talked to and for them all to say the same thing I knew there had to be something to it and then once I once I started having conversations with coach um, you know we just we saw eye to eye on a lot of things um, football wise but also just in life um, you know type of people that we are the things that we value um, it, it became very apparent that um, we kind of we kind of stood on the same ground on a lot of things, and so for me to have the ability to, like I said, do exactly what I want to do, how I want to do it, and do it around and do it for a, you know a head coach that um, takes care of his people and treats them the right way. That uh, that was that was you know kind of another one of the deciding factors for me. Coach, I want to go back to to your playing career and then transitioning to coaching. And I see you had a uh, brief stint in the Lone Star Football League and the Champions <laughs> Indoor Football League. Uh, take us through that, and then like, when did you did you always always know you were going to get into coaching? Did it just kind of happen by chance? Take us through that path, if you will, a little bit. Yeah, so I, I got done I got done playing in uh, 2013, and I. I had another semester of student teaching. You know, I got my degree to to coach. Really, I knew I always wanted to be a coach from really junior high, high school on. I just my dad was our little league coach growing up, and just the way the way that he had an influence on like on my buddies, the kids that I grew up with, um, the respect they had for him. I knew I always wanted to be a coach, and then once I got around and had the influences that I had in high school, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a Texas high school football coach. And so that's what I went to school for. <laughs> so when I was when I finished up, I I had student teaching 
And so I had to, I was still in Abilene, and, and my head coach at the time, Coach Collins, was like, man, just you're here anyways. Just come out here and coach the quarterbacks this spring. And because uh, he was the head coach, but also the quarterback coach as well, so I was able to take some off of his place. So I ended up doing that spring, and then uh, it just so happened while I was doing that, I got a call about playing in this arena league. And well, we were we were just a transitioning FCS school at the time, and so there wasn't a whole lot of money going around for like GAs. I don't even think I made anything. I think they paid for my school maybe. And so honestly, the arena league was a way for me to make extra money. Um, and then I did that for a year. And then while I GA'd there, I ended up, uh, I was GAN and I was a substitute teaching and, and mowing lawns just to kind of make it work. So I did that for a couple of years. And John, you, John David, you, you moved uh, from Abilene Christian to North Texas and I actually had Mark Yellock on my show recently, you know, ECU, uh, former ECU D lineman. He spoke very highly of you. Do you remember back when you coached at North Texas, did uh, Coach Yellock share any ECU stories with you or did you, did you learn more about the Pirates then when he was on the defensive staff at all? I did. I did. We had a couple connections, um, you know, at North Texas because our, our first year there in 2016, uh, you know, Brad Davis was our, <clears throat> was our offensive line coach. And so Brad had obviously, I think, had a season or two at ECU. And then uh, and then obviously Mark had came, came in that second year, I believe. And with those two, along with all the guys that we knew, like I kind of mentioned the other day, that were with Ruff and, and with, with Lincoln, you know, we just – we we had a bunch of stories from East Carolina because we had so many connections. And so I, that was partially as soon as this became a deal, like I had a lot of people that I could call that I knew had been here before. And so that was the nice, the nice thing for me was so many people I knew had been here and, and could tell me, you know, what was Greenville like, what was the school like? And I felt like I knew a ton about this place before I ever stepped foot on campus. We're talking to uh, John David Baker here with us uh, on uh, our program. Stephen Igo, Patrick Johnson with you, the new offensive coordinator for ECU. Uh, Coach Baker is uh, with us. Let me ask you a little bit about uh, your duties at uh, Ole Miss as far as uh, you had the title of co-offensive coordinator. Obviously, Lane Kiffin uh, is a guy who's uh, calling the offense there. But as far as your uh, involvement during the week leading up to the game as far as contributing to the game plan and, and uh, the offensive scheme and, and that sort of thing. Could you maybe take us through what some of those duties were for you uh, while at Ole Miss? Yeah, so, you know, really my three years there was um, changed titles a little bit, but really kind of carried the same uh, responsibilities, if you will. I was always, you know, just with my background, always kind of in charge of putting together um, – the passing game side of things for us um, and started, started, you know, early in the week and then kind of pieced it together. And, um, you know, that was, that was kind of the beauty of the thing. We, we, the way that we do things, we split up some responsibilities and, and kind of piece it all together as a staff. That way we're getting different ideas from different people. And, and that's kind of how we always did it. And then, you know, at the as the week went on, we'd all sit down together, Coach Kiffin, myself, and and Coach Weiss, and and figure out exactly what we're going to do and how we wanted to do it. 
And as far as uh, some of the other coaches you've worked for, Seth Luttrell, Clay Helton, you, you mentioned your dad. Who are some of these other uh, coaches that you maybe have uh, taken things from as you've gone on this coaching journey? You know, uh, probably probably one of the biggest ones um, is uh, is the time I spent with Graham, um, with Graham Harold. Just kind of his approach and his belief and a lot of the things that he believes in um, come from his time with with Coach Leach, um, and that's where that's where our belief and simplicity. Um, letting these guys just go play freely and not have to think a bunch. Um, belief in being an execution-based offense, not one that's sitting there trying to trick you every snap. We're just going to be really good at what we do, and, and we're going to be better at doing what we do uh, than the defense is at what they do, and that comes from, from repetition over and over and over again. And so that's he, – he is a firm believer in that stuff, and – um, you know, just the, the six years that I was able to spend with him um, had a huge influence on me. And, and we'll, you know, the offense has changed um, a little bit since since my time with Graham. Um, but the way that we approach things and the way that, um, you know, just kind of our beliefs, that all that is very similar. Uh, sorry, Coach. Uh, you mentioned the uh, that you know you guys are on the road recruiting, which I know you guys cannot comment on specifically. But just as far as the quarterback market, there are so many guys in the portal right now. What type of feedback have you guys gotten in that regard? In terms of everybody wants to go play as the quarterback position, you guys have a pretty clear opening there. So, what type of feedback have you gotten on that market right now? You know, I think uh, I think the biggest thing is just the attraction to the offense. Um, you know they've they've just been able to see what what it's been able to do the last few years and and not only not only at our play at Ole Miss but also you know there's the top offenses in the country are all kind of running a a version of this system whether it's here whether it was you know with Levy at, at OU last year at Tennessee um, and they just see the success those guys those quarterbacks have and um, you know. I think that's been the biggest feedback I've gotten is just the attraction to it of kids where they want to come play in it because they see, they see the tempo, they see the excitement, they see the aggressiveness of it. Um, and kids, uh, you know, that's something they want to come be a part of. And then there are two scholarship quarterbacks on ECU's roster currently. Alex Flynn, we know from Covering the program, he's kind of making a decision right now between med school and another year of eligibility. And then Raheem Jeter just redshirted last year. Have you had any initial conversations with those guys, or will that come in time? Yeah, no, I, I got to sit down with them and just really just kind of introduce myself um, and let them do the same. Um, but that's really been about it, and that's kind of the it's kind of the sucky part about time of year and and taking the job at this time 
um, because you want, you know, the most important guys you got are the guys on that campus. But as it is right now, you got to go, you got to go do what you got to do. And so there, there'll be more time for that. Um, you know, when we get off the road and obviously getting into next spring, Coach John David Baker's with us. Coach, uh, as far as balancing uh, what you're doing now, recruiting, making sure guys on the roster have had a chance to to speak with you in some way, shape, or fashion. In other words, your ECU uh, duties, and then with everything going on at Ole Miss as they prepare for the uh, Peach Bowl, how will you balance that out uh, here for the for the remaining weeks? Yeah, so you know, like I said the other day, you know, my whole focus and everything that's getting my time and energy um, is trying to make sure we have the pieces that we need to go compete right now, next year at East Carolina. And so uh, it's not really a, a balancing act for me. It's, it's, you know, diving in head first and, and helping our staff try and go get all the pieces that we need. Um, and then, you know, at the appropriate time when, you know, when we've got our guys set here and everything, is done with that then you know i can i can go take a few days and and get back with the guys at Ole miss and and try and go you know do something that's never been done in school history at, at Ole miss and win win 11 games well we wish you the best in that and uh continued uh success out on the uh recruiting trail as well uh coach baker great to talk to you and uh, we look forward to uh, speaking to you again really soon all right guys i appreciate it all right, well, great to have Coach Baker on with us uh, here exclusively today on the Patrick Johnson Show. All right, uh, we are going to get uh, Joe Sampson on. He'll uh, talk about everything going on with ECU football this uh, week. So Joey Football will be our guest in our next segment. But right now, also thanks to Steve and Igo for uh, being a part of uh, that as well, and also to uh, Malcolm Gray for helping set that up and uh, Coach Baker. All right, thanks to Philip the Ref Pilkington. He's the man. Phil, I, Pilk, I didn't realize I'm I'm under the weather, so I'm not going to make the Christmas uh, party. And I didn't realize I didn't th- I thought it was starting later, so I didn't realize we're keeping you from getting to the Christmas party. So my apologies. It's all good. P-Man. Maybe they'll maybe they'll save you uh, a, a, a pirate beverage or two. I have a feeling they'll be flowing tonight. So I think Christmas they might cheer. be. Yeah. Well. Behave. All right, uh, Philip the Ref Pilkey did right now with a ninety-four-three the game. Sports update and pirate report. What do you got, Pilk? Well, thank you, Patrick, and thank you for the kind words as well. Tomorrow, the Pirates will be welcoming 7-1 South Carolina to Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum, and the South Carolina Gamecocks are quite the tough team this year. Really good South Carolina team coming in here. I mean, uh, just so much uh, respect for Coach Paris and their program. I know what they're doing there in year two, and I've watched them quite a bit and very familiar with them. Uh, not only the players from time at South Carolina last year, my time at Tennessee, some of the similar players, uh, but also guys in the league that uh, were at Vanderbilt, like Miles Studi. So this is a complete ball club that's gotten off to a great start, and we know what kind of challenge it's going to be in here tomorrow. That game will tip at noon. Network coverage will start right here on 94.3 The Game at 11.30 a.m. The Pirates have also announced who their new offensive coordinator will be. It will be Matt Maddox. Or sorry, the new offensive line coach, excuse me, will be Matt Maddox. It was announced by offensive coordinator John David Baker. He has had a handful of stops, including Texas, South Florida, and most recently, UTSA. Last night, the Canes jumped out to an early 2-0 
2-0 lead, but allowed three third-period goals and fell 3-2 to the Calgary Flames for their third straight loss. They will try and get back underway tomorrow night in Vancouver. Also, tomorrow will be the first-ever final of the NBA in-season tournament between the Pacers, who beat Milwaukee last night 128-119, and the Lakers, who stomped New Orleans 133-89. Tomorrow is the 124th all-time America's game. The game will be in Foxborough, Mass. for the first time ever, and the Black Knights are favored by three points in this contest as they try and build off a big three-point win from last year. That'll do it for your 94.3 Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report on the other side of this timeout. We will be joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Joey Football. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. Okay, uh, welcome back in. Patrick Johnson Show with you here. As it's the Get You to the Weekend edition, and uh, we have uh, with us on the line now uh, the one and only member of our 94.3 The Game sports team, Joe Sampson, Joey Football, Joey, uh, or Scoop Sampson, as he's known in some circles. He joins us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. I guess since we're keeping Pilk from getting to the Christmas party, you've stepped out, perhaps on the uh, patio on the 19th hole to... uh, to, to bestow a little bit of football knowledge. Sorry to take away from the Christmas cheer, Joey Football. Oh, never taken away from the Christmas cheer. Tis the season to spread news and to share news. Uh, I would love to be on the 19th hole right now. I have to say, didn't get a chance to get out in this beautiful weather. The great Stephen Igo says it's a little too cold, but I prefer it. I'm much more of a polar bear than I am a uh, heat blister guy. The video audience is seeing a, uh, a great graphic that Pilkington has uh, apparently spent three minutes working on, and that is uh, where you are the real Joey football, according to him, not Joe Burrow. And I'd say since Joe Burrow is hurt and you have uh, displayed rather such versatility like you did in your stellar ECU playing career, I would say that you are the real Joey football. Hey, the best ability is availability. I'm just trying to prove that time and time again. I hear you. Well, you look uh, you look good. You got the... Uh, you got the eye black on. Put that back up, Pilk. Let me for the for the radio audience, <laughs> the vast radio audience. He's got uh, what looks like a strip you would wear over your nose if you were snoring, and some more eye black. But it looks like it's tape. It doesn't look like it's drawn on there. He's got a headband and uh, some big wristbands. 87, 87 in your pro and your uh, program number one in your heart, Joey Football. Here, all right. Enough of my man crush on uh, the great Joey Football. Let me ask you about. Uh, <laughs> The hiring of uh, John David Baker. We just talked to him here on the PJ Show a few minutes ago. Uh, what are your uh, thoughts, and what are uh, some of the players that uh, are mulling coming back or are planning coming back say about uh, Coach Baker? So, first thing I have to say is I was extremely impressed with how his press conference played out. I think he said all the right things, and a lot of people are going to be worried about what he said and all these different things, kind of trying to paint a picture without giving us real answers. But this is the time of the year where, especially with the portal opening up and this new age of college football, you have to try and convince people to come play for you, or in this case, convince some guys to stay and play for you. Uh, so I think he did a really good job at that. I liked how he kind of established what his style was going to be, while also accepting and 
kind of pointing out to everybody that yes, he's a first year play caller, but this isn't the first time he'll have experience in that kind of forum. He's been practicing it. He's been in that kind of system with Lane Kiffin where he can feel like he's not only called a game, but he's prepared to call a game as well. What do you think of uh, Mike Maddox being hired as the offensive line coach? He's he's obviously got a great deal of uh, experience, and he himself has been an offensive play caller in his uh, career. So uh, to me, uh, he, he's not an old guy by any stretch. He's not a young, wet-behind-the-ears guy, but he seems to be kind of seasoned, you know, just right and, and uh, relatable to today's uh today's player so uh you know I, I thought this all season joe uh i thought you know there was some talent on the offensive line they just underperformed i don't know if it was schematically or or what but uh it's not like the cupboard's totally bare there there's some experience there if you could retain uh, the majority of those guys or all of those guys by by some way of doing that then you have an opportunity to uh uh, you know, maybe have some new techniques that are a little more in symposium with uh, with what the offense wants to do. Yeah, I agree. I think that he, as a hire, when you look at him on paper, you could be a little concerned about his age and all these different things. But you look at the stops he's been at. He was at UTSA forever. He was at Purdue for a brief stint. And before that, he was at Texas. And that was a Texas team that was running the football all over the Big 12, where Bijan Robinson was actually the uh, – third string back behind two very good seniors who ran all over that whole conference. And I think one of them might've finished with over 2000 yards one year. He knows how to run the football in effective ways and get in those lanes. And I think that's a very exciting thing to hear if you're a pirate fan, because yes, John David Baker wants to air it out. He wants to throw the ball. He wants to get all those big shot plays that we've grown so accustomed to cheering for and thinking about, because you want that big opportunity for you to kind of go get that touchdown and catch the defense off guard. But Play calling is a lot less about that big shot than it is about the setup. And I think with the hiring of Maddox, you're putting yourself in a really good position. And yes, he might be a little green as far as his age goes, but not with his experience. And you put it the best way with the symposium. I mean, that's really where the offensive line starts to feel comfortable is when they can get behind some things. And we saw that probably in the last four or five games of the season, once that unit was really established and they'd gone to their, their five guys, so to speak, with Murphy coming back and, then moving Dustin Hall to left guard and then moving Ergel inside the center where he was. I think that was a really good start. And I think if you can continue on that and build upon that, you're off to a really good hot start, especially with a new line coach. 94, three, the games, Joe Sampson joining us uh, here, AKA Joey, uh, Joey football is on the Patrick Johnson show on this, get you to the weekend uh, Friday edition. All right, Joe, let me ask you a little bit about, uh, any names in the portal that have surprised you since the end of the season from the pirate perspective? First one's got to be Taylor Jackson. I mean, he came off what was his first full season workload wise. I was very shocked to hear about that. And I'm sure he's going to get a great opportunity elsewhere. He's a phenomenal person. He's a very good player. He kind of proved that this year was the second most, uh, as far as snap totals go behind only Julius Wood, who finishes an all conference selection. He was a big name that surprised me. Offensively, nobody's been a, a big surprise yet. We, we kind of expected Garcia. He'd be the big name that pops up. But had you followed the season and, and been hip to that, so to speak, on the outside looking in, you could kind of expect that the opportunity wasn't there. It just didn't work out. And I wish him the best by all means. But Jackson's really the only surprise. Uh, it's still early. That's what I have to tell people. The specialists were always expected because if you don't get a scholarship, you move on to the next school. 
But as this new staff starts to come together, you've got all these days until the final day of the portal, which especially now with all this head coach turnover and changes like that, these guys could wind up jumping in a little later than we expect. So there's a lot of names that stuck around that I'm very excited to see, but we'll see how that continues to play out as well. Last thing for you in this segment, and then we're going to do hold my beer to wrap up the show. Uh, but last thing for you in this segment here, you mentioned Mason Garcia. Where do you think ultimately the situation where Mason would be most effective and be able to maybe realize his potential? I think it's got to be a lateral move. And when I say that, I mean, it's probably the same type of size. Uh, you could go Sunbelt, could, could go to a really big FBS that's kind of coming off some different things. You could see a JMU kind of thing with the Holy Cross coach who's now taking the job there. That's a very similar system to what he ran in high school where he could feel comfortable. You want to give him a chance to make quick decisions and use his athleticism. He's so big, so mobile. He's got such a good arm. If you can take the thinking out of it and just simplify it and let him go play, I think he'll do really well. And I think that he's going to have to go somewhere where not necessarily the expectations are lower, but the pressure is a lot less than what it was here considering the type of recruit he was. I'm not sure if Joey Football is holding a beverage, but he will play Hold My Beer along with Philip the Ref Pilkington and myself when we come back on the Get You to the Weekend Get Pilk Out the Door to the Holiday Party edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. you have something you need to get off your chest? Get off your chest. I am not here for rage. I'm here for revenge. Did your favorite team blow another game? They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Or is there just something that's driving you crazy? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to let it all out. You have made me very angry. Very angry indeed. With another edition of Hold My Beer. Hold My Beer. I, mine's simple. The cold and flu season. I'm over it. I'm sick. I feel good. I'm already a grump. This makes me even grumpier. Right? I did sleep the best I've probably slept in weeks, though, last night. And as soon as this show's over, I'm hoping to sleep the best I've slept since last night, which was the best I slept in weeks tonight i'm going right to bed so that's my hold my beer the hell with you sick and sick and tired of being sick and tired at least i'm not as tired anymore so that's it i was about to say you know patrick i hate that you're sick but i will say you've done a heck of a job today you you don't sound sick for our viewing audience our listening audience you've you've pulled together and if you wouldn't have told anybody nobody would have known it's kind of you to say. I feel like I sound a little, don't sound very good. I still sound a little nasally, but uh, a little stuffy. But um, this morning was worse. It was tough this morning. All right. So that's it. Joey Football, do you, have you signed in on any of this or what? Are you co signing with me? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd probably co sign with it. You've, you've done a great job. You don't sound sick. We, we talked a little bit before earlier. No sniffles, no nothing. Just professional, finding a way to get through it and getting it done. Well, I'm liquored up too, so that helps. All right, um, I'm not. I'm not. Stop. I'm not. We can't vouch for the fact if Joey Football is or is not, but it's now time for Joey Hood. Uh, so that's it. Hold my beer. I'm sick of being sick. All right, uh, Joey Football. Hold my beer. Hold my beer, Derek Carr. I mean, you got to know when to give the backup a chance. 
Derek Carr went out last week with a concussion, a rib injury, a right shoulder injury, and back spasms. Give it up, man. Just shut yourself down. Take a chance. Take a moment. Let Jameis Winston come in and throw 19 interceptions. Just stop trying to play through it. Let the protocol do what it does. Heal your body up. The only person you're hurting is the Saints, not even yourself. I call it gutsy is what I call it, Joey Football. He's just gutsy. I call it medical malpractice. Yeah, it's gutsy when you're actually out there and you're performing at a good level. You know, like when Emmett played in the Super Bowl with two broken ribs and a punctured lung, it was cool. But Derek Carr's not even playing well. So I, I got you there, Joey Football. I think the only thing holding him back right now is the concussion. He's going to play through all the other stuff, right? Yeah. All right. You don't like that he's gutsy. I understand. You're you're not a pretty boy like he is, or he's not a pretty boy like you are. One thing to um, play injured; it's another thing to play bad when you're injured. Well, that's true. All right, Pilk, uh, what do you got here? Hold my beer for Philip the Ref Pilkington. Hold my beer for the second year in a row. The P man got sick the day of the Christmas party, and I can't hang out with the P man tonight. I don't get to see him as much in basketball season because. You know, we don't have our pregame show and all that. So we just, and we have to, you know, bump shows sometimes because basketball starts at four. And I don't get to hang out with the P Man. I was looking forward to it. And now he's sick. So building off your hold my beer, P Man, hold my beer, second year in a row. I'm not going to get to hang out with you at the Christmas party. And What's I'm was I, I was trying to remember, was I sick last year or was my wife sick last year? One of us was sick. I don't know. You weren't there. You came two years ago. No, I wasn't Jill there. wasn't able to make it two years ago. I think right. maybe she was sick, but kind enough to let you come. And then neither one of you came uh, last who year. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. It's just the time of year. Maybe if I'm still around here next year, I'll I'll be at the, the party. We don't know how still that's going to go, though. We got a you little breaking know. news. No, no, no. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, I plan on being around. I mean, you know, it's not my – I don't have the final say in that. Just saying. You've got a good point there, Philip. <laughs> That's all. The man above that's all. Joy football head. <laughs> yeah. He said, "You know, he's, he's actually right. He, he probably won't be here next year." Though. Hey, Joey's jo- 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 the one who jo- always talks about getting fired. Like every day, he's on. He's like, "Well, I haven't been fired this week, so you know, I hey, guess I'm here." We're all surviving. That's what matters. You know what we all are day to day. There you go. Day to day, aren't we all? All right, Pilkington. The soft focus on the lens. I'm not sure what that was, but um, it's quite an angle. Quite an angle for you uh, there. Let's see. I, we oh, need wait, a Buscemi booth cam. Yeah, I was, we need I was a actually, booth I, I hit the button again thinking it would help, and now it's worse. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, out of focus. you got to focus the camera. Of course, you know, there's nobody here to do any of this stuff for Pilk because everybody's at the Christmas party that I'm keeping him from getting to. True. Right. But- Hey, there we go. Look, got well, there the, you go. Got the Looks focus much better. back. It's, it's hard to focus from back there when I'm sitting here, and I just – it's too many things I want to act. My arms are long. Is that enough. what you're wearing to the Christmas party? I by got the a way? jacket to like go with it. You want to, you want me to show you? Okay. The I was going to say that's questionable on its own. No. All right. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. You know what? And I think my wife had just bought something new surprise there to wear to the, uh, to wear to the party. And, uh, it's not oh, gonna be able boy. to wear it. Unfortunately. I know it'll just be hanging up with the other thousands of clothes she has that she's never worn. I'm saying the quiet things out loud on a Friday, aren't I? But everybody's at the Christmas party. So, all right. Uh, thanks to uh, John David Baker. Thanks to Stephen Igo. Thanks to Joey Football, Joe Sampson. Thanks to 
Philip the Rep Pilkington. We'll be back at it Monday. Patrick Johnson show and talk of the town. Have a great and safe weekend. Don't forget ECU basketball tomorrow at 1130 airtime on 94.3 The Game and 107.9 WNCT as ECU takes on South Carolina. Go Pirates in that one and have a great and safe weekend, everybody.